0: This is Paul. This is Wayne. Good morning, guys. Hello. Morning. Hello. We are knee-deep in Christmas season, Aaron. Are, are, is your Christmas tree up? Uh, One of two. And uh, the house, uh, you know, it's an entire
1: process, what we do here. You know, because we do two Christmas trees, and then a ridiculous amount of Christmas decorations inside and out. So everything is decorated. All the rooms are decorated. The outside's decorated. My Christmas tree is up. Today is Suzanne's Christmas tree. And then we will be 100% complete.
2: That is entirely too much work. It really is. I mean, I I have been working
1: on this since Thanksgiving Day. And, uh, uh, you know, it'll be a week and a half, right, (laughs) by the time I'm finished. I'm uh, a little bit
2: behind. I don't have my Christmas inflatables out in the yard yet.
1: Yeah, I really envy my next door neighbor who all he does is do his inflatable snowman.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He just throws it out the front door and turns it on. Uh, So, uh, Wayne, how about you? I am
1: super anal about the way I do the lights in my Christmas trees. Because, you know, the the guy who puts the lights up on my house, because I don't get up on the roof anymore, uh, he's like, you know, I can put your trees up for you. And I'm like, no, you can't. (laughs) <laughs> I, I would be wildly unhappy with the way you you would do my, uh, my, my Christmas tree. He goes, no, I'm really good at it. I'm like, I'm sure you are. It, wouldn't, it would not meet my specifications, so I have to do it myself. <laughs> I said no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get out of here. <laughs> Shoot. I'm going to release the dogs on you. But yeah, we'll be, I'll be done today. I'm super excited to be
0: done. All right, yeah, we did ours last weekend. Um, I think the day after Thanksgiving. Just uh, you know, I, I'm a theme kind of person. A theme? A themed Christmas tree person. Gotcha. Okay. So, like, every year has a theme. And this year, I just wasn't feeling it. So, I'm like, the theme this year is Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the sigh. Is green. <laughs> the theme this year is green. You get a green tree. There you go. Done. <laughs> well, and the sigh of relief from Jen that we didn't have to, like, seek out some rando ass theme. Um, <laughs> because, you know, one year it was Disney's Haunted Mansion, one year it was superheroes, one year it was Star Wars. And I was pondering Universal Classic Monsters for this year's tree. Like, a you know, black and white, gray scale kind of coloring. And I was like, no, no, that's just too difficult. (laughs) So so I said, it's Christmas. Christmas is hard. Just put whatever you want
2: on it. (laughs) I never realized what a saint she must be for putting up with you. Well,
0: here's the thing. We haven't recycled a theme yet. So it's like we just have boxes of shit of like here's the box of star wars themed christmas ornaments here's the box of superhero themed christmas ornaments there is a baby yoda on the tree but other than that it's generally like Christmassy stuff santas and snowmen and reindeer and stuff like that you know that is all too much work christmas i shit. my my theme is
2: geek tree but it's the same stuff i put up every year on it and right. i get new stuff every year to add to it but i don't Rebuy all the decorations for it
0: each year. Well, I my, uh, inherited this from my mother. I'm just putting that out there. I blame my mother uh, for this. It, the sickness? The sickness. The yeah. themed trees.
1: I, uh, my, my tree, you know, which was the first tree that went up is my genre tree, and that's got all my you know science fiction, superheroes, kinds of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Suzanne's tree is a much more traditional tree. You know, um, so th- there are two very disparate trees going on in our house uh so do either of you guys have like older hallmark ornaments that plugged into the christmas tree light
2: yes i do but i can't find my box of them
1: So I've got all of these, you know, Star Trek ships, right. Mm -hmm. That, that, that plug into the old
0: Christmas tree lights. And and those are
2: exactly the box. I can't find our Star Trek ships.
0: (laughs) It's like, well, and I just came across them last year. I just came across.
1: (laughs) So they, you know, Christmas tree lights have changed over the years.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And even if you're buying like the regular incandescent bulb string lights, you know, instead of the led lights, um, the fixtures have changed. So not all of my ornaments fit into those lights.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, more and more, you know, as I, as the, as the, uh, as these age and the new string lights come out, fewer and fewer of my Star Trek ornaments will fit on, on the string. So I'm like, okay, well, somebody has got to have a fix for this. And of course, Hallmark has what they call a legacy light cord. Hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, that seems ridiculous, but okay, I'll, I'll buy that damn thing. And they sell it for $15, right? Okay. $15. That's how much it is listed for on the Hallmark page. If only you could get it at the Hallmark page because they are sold out. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, let me go to Amazon and see if Amazon's got it. And, you know, Amazon lists it also $15 or fourteen ninety five to be accurate. Um, and they are also sold out. There are no other buying options listed on Amazon. And so I go to eBay. No. $110 for this $15
0: cord. I'm assuming you did not purchase it. I have not purchased
1: it. <laughs> okay. I, I, I need to have a conversation with Hallmark to make sure that they're still manufacturing these so that I can buy it, you know, next year. But I'm just so irritated by that because I've got like, you know, 12 ornaments that I can't light up. And, you know, that's the fun of those Star Trek ornaments is that they light up. They have little blinky lights. Um, super annoyed by that.
0: Yeah, I would be too. So, Oof. Just saying.
1: And now, you know, like last year I bought the uh, TIE fighter that goes on, I think Hallmark calls it their magic cord, you know, for, for their ornaments that came out like 2009, 2010 and later. So you know they they have their own proprietary cord that these things go in because you can't use the regular light cords even the LED light cords you know don't work that way so you can't plug them into that and I'm like I don't have room for all these fucking plugs that people want me to use on my Christmas tree I'm gonna like I'm gonna have to install you know new power into the, into <laughs> the, the room that I've got my tree to accommodate all the things that plug the fuck in yeah super I,
2: yeah
1: as you can hear. The Christmas spirit is thick (laughs) here, God damn it. (laughs) Aaron
0: Aaron is the embodiment of Christmas spirit. (laughs) Well, we we got a little Christmas gift from Warner Brothers this year. Early Christmas gift. I mean, I guess. We did. Movie theaters didn't. Um, uh, This week, Warner Brothers made the announcement... And there's a couple of caveats that aren't clear in the announcement that I'm going to get into here in a second That um, they will be releasing all of their planned 2021 theatrical releases Both in theaters and simultaneously for a month day and date on HBO Max
1: So we knew about Wonder Woman 84, yes, right? We knew right. that
0: was coming last week or
1: so uh, Which, you know, super excited about you get to watch that on Christmas Day, whoopee uh, but now, you know, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, uh,
0: Matrix 4, Suicide yeah. Squad, Dune, The Conjuring uh-huh. 3, Mortal Kombat, Space Jam 2, Tom and Jerry, In the Heights, I mean, a slew of, like, big blockbuster films yeah. will be coming out day and date on HBO Max. So. And in related news, AMC released an announcement that
2: said, fuck you, Order Brothers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well... I don't know what they wanted these guys to do. I mean, I understand the theater is like, you know, what the hell? But when you look at the tenant, which was supposed to be was supposed to make hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office, made 50. Yeah. Um, what are these guys supposed to do? They're just throwing money in the street. So, you know, what are their options well, we want to boost subscribers on HBO Max. I guess we could take this investment and make it happen there. I think think it's the only move they could have made.
2: Yeah, AMC with their statement basically are, they're laying all their hopes on the vaccine. Their statement was very clear in the, you know, we supported you with the Wonder Woman because of where we're at, but they're getting ready to release vaccines and the industry is going to recover. It's like, yeah, yeah, maybe it might recover. You're...
0: I think we had a be-
2: lot of hopes on vaccines that we don't know how quickly they're going to come out, how well they're gonna work, how well they're gonna be adopted. Well, you know, best case scenario. Everyone
1: everyone who wants and needs a vaccine, everyone would have it in June, July of next year based on based on uh current uh distribution
0: yeah i'd say at the earliest yeah
1: yeah at the earliest which means that it's at the earliest christmas is when the theater industry recovers so you you know to warner's point
0: you've lost the whole year
1: yeah i think i think warner made the only decision they could
0: make agreed well and so here's you know and here's an interesting caveat and i said there would be a couple of caveats right one at no point did warner say they would be Free with HBO Max. They said they would be on HBO Max day and date. And two, it also says titles subject to change. So if things turn around, they could always say, oh, we're just going to go ahead and delay that Dune movie to February 2022. So I mean, I think this is not the final list of movies for sure. I have seen free. Have you? I I saw that with 84. I yeah. have not seen, like, that I, you, you know, guarantee, like, this is not going to cost you any extra.
2: Yeah, they have said specifically they're following the model they're using on Wonder Woman 84, and that model is free. So, yeah. I that wording makes me think it's going to be the free, and they're only leaving it on for a month, and then it's coming off. I guarantee,
1: you know, uh, the Paramount Network, or the Paramount Streaming, or whatever, Paramount Plus, I think is what they're calling it, is due to hit february i believe mm-hmm. um i i would be wildly surprised if paramount doesn't do the same thing disney will because do. well and you know disney disney released mulan right straight mm-hmm. to disney plus but it was you know an additional fee to watch it
0: yeah and you know, free when, now
1: but it, when it came out it was right. an additional fee so when I got Disney Plus, I was like, oh, great, I can watch Mulan. And then I saw that I was limited to the trailer <laughs> and, yeah. unless I wanted to pay the additional fee. Well, it was avail- I noticed that it was available yesterday, so I watched the first half hour of it last night. And, boy, that's a big turd. <laughs> I Wow, that's a bad movie. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I would have been so pissed off had I subscribed to Disney Plus and then – you know, paid the, the additional fee to watch Mulan, I would have been cheesed. Because that is a
2: big fan of the cartoon. So I asked oh, yeah. her last night, like, hey, do you want to watch the movie? And she's like, no. I've heard the only good thing I've heard about it is that they left the best things on the editing floor. It's yeah. like, if that's the only good thing you've heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it was terrible. I mean, I, I, it was
1: unwatchable. It was so bad. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was like, I, I mean, there is no, there is very little. Uh, direction, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. At no point does anybody go, okay. Give me a little more, you know. Uh, there's no, there's no nothing exciting in the fighting or the choreography of the fighting. Uh, it's just really, really bad. I mean, I just felt like the the actors were reading lines.
2: Yeah, I will bad. say with with this announcement, this is what it's going to take to push me to buy HBO Max, and it means I'm going to have to find a way to stream it because. It does. It's not an app on my Roku TV. I don't want to switch over to, like, the PlayStation and watch it. But maybe I'll go that route. Maybe I've I've gotten spoiled by having the apps right on the TV and having one remote switch between apps.
0: I do think that HBO needs to figure HBO or Warner Brothers needs to figure that out. Figure that out quickly as it relates to this, because um, that's one thing that Disney Plus absolutely does right. Um, you know, is they're they are available everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. HBO Max. Figure your shit out. Now I'm glad they've announced that Warner that Wonder Woman 84 will be in 4K. I was talking about that last time, Um, but you that app needs to be available on my smart TV, on my Xbox, on my (laughs) everything um, for for just like Disney. Because if you're going to release all that good stuff, you know, but you don't have the Roku audience or the you know the LG smart TV audience, then you're you're really limiting your folks because no one wants to see that shit on a phone well i was
2: about sh- to say as long as the app works on the phone you're fine
0: <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm just
2: gonna watch it on my phone paul
0: yeah yeah i'm just gonna watch that 4k on my phone well you know and you know disney it's funny because disney did mulan and they're also doing the the upcoming pixar movie soul is coming out on christmas day straight to disney plus um but you don't see amc bitching about that amc's like well i don't i'm okay pissing off warner brothers <laughs> right, because <laughs> but Disney, you guys do what you want.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, you don't, you don't fuck with the big guy.
0: No. Well, yeah, that uh, mouse, he'll get you. He will. Well, and speaking of Disney Plus, new episode of Mandalorian, chapter fourteen, the tragedy, uh, released yesterday, directed by Robert Rodriguez.
2: It's safe to say we're going to spoil uh,
0: some things. Yeah, we're going to spoil we're going to spoil the hell out of this. So if you're listening to this um, before watching the episode, um, you've probably already had it spoiled by every single social media post about it. But <laughs> uh, but we're going to spoil it further. So you know, after last week's Ahsoka episode, where she said, you know, you have to go to whatever some planet, put baby Python, you have to go to Python, put put Grogu on a rock and have him commune to you know make a, a Jedi phone call, a midi-chlorian phone call, to see what Jedi respond. Um, that's what happens in this episode. But while yeah. that's happening- I have to
2: say that, that alone was shocking because based on everything we've seen of this series, my expectation was some something's going to happen on his way to the planet and he's going to get <laughs> sidetracked yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, but no, he put baby Yoda, Yoda on that rock, Grogu, on that rock within like the first five minutes um before all shit hit the fan <laughs> um we we had the return of michelle yo's character from season one we had boba fett in in armor we had stormtroopers we had um Mich- michelle yo what's in it is it, is it, is it not ming na Ye-? sorry ming na michelle yo is discovery. discovery wrong podcast wrong podcast yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> ming na Um, And, you know, so we had the the grand return of Boba Fett. Yes, and this episode
2: did something that no other live-action form of Star Wars has ever done. It showed Boba Fett being awesome.
0: Yeah, kicking ass. (laughs) Because he did
2: nothing in the original trilogy to make him even remotely look capable. But this episode, finally, live-action Boba Fett kicked ass.
1: I really enjoyed, what was it, episode four where we saw him in the end credit or, you know, uh, at the end of the episode.
0: The first episode Uh, of this season, yeah.
1: Was that the first episode Mm -hmm. of the season? Um, When we saw him and you saw that he had the bungee sticks. Over mm-hmm. his shoulder, I'm like, that is so cool, and I love that we got to see him use them.
2: Yeah, uh, seeing the face mask of the stormtrooper shatter uh, when he hit him. Yeah, was awesome. Yeah,
1: that was that was really, it, you know, it, it's kind of that whole Chekhov's gun thing. You know, if you show me the gun, you got to show me. You got to show in, in Act One. You got to show him using the gun in Act Two. You know, and it was just nice to see. Yes, we got some payoff on that. You know, the, 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 he's super badass just with the bungee stick.
2: Yeah, it is amazing how all of these characters get to come in and show how the main character Mandalorian isn't nearly as badass as
0: they are. Yeah. Well, and, what's funny well, about and this him episode, shooting him
1: shooting missiles out of his kneecaps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn. That was so. Everything there was so much in this episode that was very Robert Rodriguez. Oh yeah, but, I, 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 he is
1: a really. I, I, this, Todd, told me everything I need to know, that we need to see more Robert Rodriguez directing
0: Star Wars. Yeah, because, you know... Because that was super badass. Because if you think about it, this entire episode of Mandalorian pretty much looked like it was filmed in someone's backyard. But, or, or like, your local park. Like, it was all pretty much in right. the same span of, like, 100 yards. Right. Um, but it was so well-filmed... And so badass, you know. And it's you know the the, the knee guns is kind of like you know I, I'm sure if if it was any other franchise, Boba Fett would have had crotch guns, you know, because that's <laughs> it was such a Robert Rodriguez touch. Right. Um, right. And when he shot the, the the ships flying away, the stormtroopers escaping, and he shot the top one and it crashed into the other one. I mean, there was so much well filmed and choreographed about this episode. Yeah. I truly enjoyed it. Well, and not only do we get to see
2: Boba Fett being awesome, but we also got to see a form of stormtrooper that was actually capable as well. The robotic black troopers as they came down. What I love about this – go ahead, Aaron. Can we stop for just a
1: moment and talk about stormtroopers in general? Why the fuck do they wear that armor? Because it does nothing for them. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't. Know, I've never understood. I mean, I understand you have you have uh, you know soldiers and whatnot, but I mean, if it's not going to do anything for them, I don't understand the point of their of their of their uh, plastic armor.
2: Yeah, it would be a lot know. cheaper to give them this cloth. Yeah, maybe it and protects give, against. And a like, headset because you know
1: they can communicate with each other through their helmets, but that's all that seems to be able to do. I do maybe not It know.
2: protects against like knives and rocks and things. Although uh, <laughs> it did protect against rocks on indoor. So well,
1: or the bungee stick. I mean, you know, I mean, it it, it does nothing. It yeah. doesn't protect against bl- blasters, blunt force weapons. It does nothing.
0: Well, and <laughs> you know what? What I love about the stormtroopers in the Mandalorian, unlike the stormtroopers in any, any other you know star wars you know they, they even make a joke that the stormtroopers you know can't shoot straight right but in the mandalorian they shoot the fuck out of the mandalorian he just right. wears that beskar armor but like right. they just i mean he gets shot so much in this show and he just has the beskar armor so it bounces off i'm like i thought they missed but they seem really good at shooting this one guy
2: <laughs> yeah they miss everyone else
0: <laughs> right but this one shiny dude, they shoot the hell out of him. But yeah, the uh the black troopers, is dark troopers, what were they I called? Know. I don't know that they did they give them a name. They're they're, they they're not the shadow troopers. I think yeah,
2: they, they were, were they, I thought they were the black troopers. Maybe they might the black have been the troopers. dark troopers. But either way, they're robotic mechs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were pretty cool. Yeah. they were pretty cool. I like I like those a lot. So while I have you guys on the, so I haven't been able to talk to anybody about this because, you know, it's opening week or, you know, release weekend. And you can't really talk about spoilers online with anybody. So, Grogu communed with someone, Uh you know, he made that phone call. And at this point in history, in Star Wars timeline, I should say, there's only five Jedi I can think of who could respond to this phone call. This, you know, this this phone home. There's Luke Skywalker. There's Ezra Bridger. There's Baby... Or, the, excuse me, there's Ghost Yoda. And then there's two wild cards. There's one that's kind of like fan fiction, right? Which is that Mace Windu might still be alive. He's the one who saved Grogu in the first place. He might still be out there because you never actually saw his body. And then my final wild card which is they've mentioned thrawn you know and and thrawn and the empire are still very much in existence five years after return of the jedi and i'm i'm throwing this out here i haven't seen it anywhere i would find it very interesting though unlikely but i feel like this is a good opportunity to bring mara jade into canon i don't know who that is luke's wife luke's wife
1: oh from the heir to the empire yeah. Okay.
0: Right. Because I mean, in theory, well, if you I haven't think heard about, that name in forever. Right. If you think about <laughs> that, that heir to the empire trilogy, Thrawn's around, the empire still around. Almost none of that has been conflicted with actual canon. So there's
2: one more person that you didn't mention that uh, could sense it, but I don't see them doing it,
0: and that's Leia. Yeah, I don't think I, I, there is Leia, but I just figured that wasn't going to be an option, right? I think they're just going to let the that one. Leave Leia off the table for now. Yeah.
2: I don't think we'll see Luke. I don't think we'll see Leia. We might see Ezra Bridger, but whatever happens, it's going to be next season. That's my prediction. Is there we one might more episode it... left? Two. Two. Yeah. Okay. We might see the person at like the very end of the last episode, but we won't see their face because they won't have them cast.
0: See, that's, I don't know. I feel that's like, my prediction. I feel like we'll see, you know, the Mandos and like all the Mandos and the Jedi teaming up for the final episode uh, to save, you know, to save Grogu. That's my feeling. And I, I honestly, I think if if I think the most likely option is Ezra, um, because they've they've set that up so much Rebel guess. stuff.
1: Yeah it, it, yeah, it seems to me like they're they're dipping hard in, into uh, Rebels.
2: Uh, it would not surprise me that uh, it's Ezra. But I would yeah, be surprised... and Ahsoka is still hunting for him. Yeah. So if if he shows up, I think it'll be a, they bring back Ahsoka, they bring him back, they bring back all of the Mandalorians from earlier in the
0: season, and it's going to be this huge final battle to rescue him. But, you know, I've also heard there's there's actually a Rebels sequel series in production, Um and the first season is already fully animated and done, you know, just waiting on the announcement and all that. And so I would be, if for me, it feels surprising that they would give the Ezra reveal here rather than in that show. But maybe it's all set up for that show. I don't know. But he he seems the most, le- out of the two, it seems like Ezra or Luke would be the top two. Yeah, We may end up seeing
2: someone that they create brand new for the show, though. I hope someone not. that is another Jedi that's out
0: there that's been in hiding. Uh, I don't know. John Favreau and Dave Filoni don't really seem like that kind of. It's all yeah. been fan, you know, fan gold this season. Uh, true.
1: I, I think that it feels like the rule is play with the parts that are already on the table, right? Mm. And uh, I, so I, I would be very surprised that we that we found a new Jedi responding, though maybe it's a Jedi responding and there's a Padawan or
0: something like that uh, that, that introduces a new character. Yeah. So I guess so. we'll see. I mean, we've got two more episodes. Um, you know, unlike last year. I think last year they released both. No, I think they did release them t- separately. Um, so we've got two more weeks of Mando conversation. I am figuring by the time the last episode releases... Which I guess would be on the 18th. We will have an announcement of what's coming up next, whether it's the Cassian Andor series, the Obi Wan series, the rumored um, Doctor Aphra series, or the Rebels sequel. Like those are four series that have been heavily that have either been confirmed or heavily rumored to be in production.
2: I think the one moment we haven't mentioned of the show that was my oh shit moment and my wife and i both kind of gasp and
0: when they destroyed the razor crest
1: oh that was oh, awful okay oh, yeah, I, I wanted to mention that, that i am
0: glad you brought that up Be- because they announced a while back you know on hasbro they had this like pulse hasbro pulse fan con or whatever um you know that they had all these big talk star wars toy announcements and gi joe toy announcements and at that they announced that they were crowdsourcing um like a black series scale razor crest so like a three foot long razor crest it was like 350 dollars and it made like 10 times what they were sort crowdsourcing it for it made i mean everyone wanted this damn thing and i sat on it for a long time i'm like where the hell am i going to put this thing i love it i love the razor crest but where am i going to yeah. put it so i the never committed to a cool it cool design so i never did it and then now I'm glad because I'd be all sorts of pissed if I threw $350 at a toy that doesn't exist yet, <laughs> and now the ship is gone. Yeah, so we talked about Christmas traditions, and one of my
2: Christmas traditions is every year my wife gets me the Lego Star Wars Advent Calendar, and the Razor Crest is one of those ships this year. So every day I'm opening it thinking, is it the Razorcrest today? It's not the Razor Crest. <laughs> And when they blew it up, it's like, I love that ship. That sucks. I guess we'll see what they're going to replace it with.
0: That was hurtful to see. It was hurtful. Like, is he going to drive Slave 1 next year? No, he's going to have a new ship. I guess we'll see. Highly disappointed. Well, all right. So... This week, Marvel Comics, speaking of big epic things, released the first issue of their massive crossover, King in Black. Um, This is the sequel to Absolute Carnage, I think, um, and continues the story that Donny Cates has been kind of setting up in all his Marvel works, Um, not just Venom. But this also ties into the work he was doing in Guardians of the Galaxy, Silver Surfer, and all those things. Um, So, you know, regarding Null, um, who's, I guess, king of the symbiotes or whatever, uh, you know, so it's kind of this big cosmic tale. But Null has, has, you know, at the end of Absolute Carnage, um, Eddie Brock basically saved, you know, saved his son. But by saving his son, he (laughs) sent out an invite for Null to come to Earth, essentially, Um, And so that's that's what we see here in King of Black number one, which very much starts like, shit's happening. Like this, for me, felt like the fourth issue of the series or the third issue of the series, not the first issue. Because like, it starts with Null's here, shit's hitting the fan, shit immediately goes wrong and the heroes are overwhelmed and it is like the darkest hour immediately.
2: Yeah, one of the things I needed them to do in this is show me why Null was so strong. Because when you say the uh, the god of the symbiotes, I still think symbiotes. Yeah. But they pretty quickly show that that was just one of the things he created and not anywhere near the most powerful and that he is far more than just the most powerful
0: symbiote. Yeah. So they did a good job of explaining that, that, his power level. Well, I'm going to say two oh shit moments in regards to that. One is that Null has... You know, basically taken over the Celestials with symbiotes for his assault on Earth. That was one big thing. And two, this entire issue is building up to the secret weapon that the superheroes have been, you know, have called out to, to to take down Null. And that secret weapon is revealed to be the Sentry. That the Sentry, you know, is back. He's on the side of good. And they are, you know, he is going to take down Null. And he shows up, you know, right in the heat of battle. And Null tears him limb from limb immediately, like it's nothing. So, like stuff has like they, the stuff has gone wrong pretty much immediately in the first issue.
2: Yeah. So I had a couple issues around that. Mm-hmm. One of the things they keep talking about is that the Null is basically getting control of the darkness, and the symbiotes are living darkness, which kind of goes against a lot of the things we've learned about the symbiotes over the years about how they're not evil yeah. by you know, nature that they aren't like now they're all all these symbiotes are black when we've seen a variety of colors in symbiotes mm-hmm. but suddenly they are all black again so I had issues with that I had issues with some of the characterization of the characters they just immediately feel overwhelmed it felt like they were in some areas just telling us that he's this powerful without showing us until the century shows up and then you actually get to see kind of his personal power level. I like parts of the story. I liked the when the X-Men show up, how they show up kind of thing. I like Storm telling Xavier to get out of her head because she's being distracted. But overall, I had a lot of issues with this,
0: this story. For me, the only... So I enjoyed the book. I will say that. I enjoyed the book. Um, my, for me, it was very much a... Like the way the book started, I was like, whoa, I already feel like I've missed out on some story. And that's why I said this reads kind of like the third or fourth issue, not the first issue. Because like, I don't like the way this book starts, it just kind of feels like usually it just... in a crossover, right? That the first issue is the buildup. They know the bad guy's coming, um, you know, they're building up there or whatever, you know, or they, maybe they don't even know the bad guy's coming, you know, but it's it's kind of like establishment this kind of like does all that in the first three, four pages and then jumps into the battle. And that was like, whoa, okay, hold on. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to go that deep in. And maybe it's because I haven't been reading venom. Um, you know, I, I just, I wanted to. And then, then I just got away from me because it was like deep in, you know, deep into the pool. I'm also really tired of the story point of, you know,
2: okay, venom shows up. Let's rip his, you rip his symbiote off. Yeah. We've seen that too much, and we saw it again here. And Aaron, were you going to ask something? Well, I was just going to say it. It sounds like the book uh, really
1: expects that you have followed the rest of the thread that uh, Donny Cates has been, you know, laying down. It does. I, I really enjoyed his run on Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it's the first time I've enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy in a very, very long time. And so I I came into King and Black thinking I, I would buy it, and then I looked at the preview pages, and I am somebody who really doesn't much care for Venom, and I saw Venom on the page, and it just turned me right off. Uh, I will ultimately read this book. I will read it either when it's in Comixology Unlimited or uh, when it is on sale. Uh, I'm not getting
2: I'm not going to get into this series just yet. I feel like Tim yeah. would really enjoy this. Uh, I agree. I think I'm reaching symbiote burnout after this storyline. I don't think I want to see symbiotes for a while. I like when they're rare. There's only one or two out there, not when they are absolutely everywhere and being dumped
0: on a city. Well, I also feel like that's the only symbiote story they have. <laughs> right. It feels right. like every, yeah. every symbiote story is there's a shit ton of symbiotes. You know, that, that, that's what every symbiote story feels like. Now, that being said, I I, I will probably read, I, I enjoyed the first issue. I will probably read, I think it's a five-issue series. I, I may pick up a couple of tie-ins because a couple of them, um, there's one that sounds really interesting to me, which is, um, I think it's called the King in Black, um, Iron Man, Doctor Doom, which is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Salvador LaRocca, who's, you know, the, that's the creative team on the Doctor yeah. Doom book. Um, so I will probably pick that up. That seems kind of fun. Uh, but, you know, it, I, I'm not going to go whole hog into it, but I will pick up the, the main uh, storyline because I, I enjoyed it enough. And I really did enjoy Absolute Carnage. Yeah. But you, you did pick up that King and Black Onion book, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I picked up The Union, which I was. So the The Union I picked up just on two things. One. The concept, which is that it's British superheroes like Britannia, Union Jack, and a couple of yeah. other characters that I was unfamiliar with. That's uh, why I picked it up. Is I thought that would be interesting. Um, and I and the second opt and the second reason I picked it up was Andrea Devito is the artist on this book, and I know the name doesn't ring a bell for some, but Andrea Devito was the artist on that Dungeons and Dragons book um, years ago that we really enjoyed uh, from IDW, the one written by. Um, john rogers i think yes uh, and so you know i was very intrigued about that now i i, I should have known better <laughs> because every you can't launch a new a, a, an issue one as part as a tie-in for a crossover without the book like just sucking like it you know it's, it's wholly dependent on the crossover uh you know it, it, it's one thing when you have you know when the book starts earlier, and it you know the the main storyline may be derailed for a couple of issues, but when your first issue is derailed for a crossover or contingent on the crossover, I I was out immediately at the I end would of this say, book. I would say there is an exception to that rule, and Which is? that was the Guardians of the Galaxy
1: book that, that came out of Annihilation.
0: Okay, fair, fair. That was because yeah, yeah, that was a, a but that a, came a, after, a didn't it, or ab- did it start during? I think it started during the second Annihilation okay. uh, storyline. Yeah, this one just didn't. For me, I liked the idea of it, um, and I did like the art. But as soon as the you know one of the main characters is picked off by a venom dragon in like the last three pages of the book, and I'm like, all right, I'm out. Like I'm immediately out. There, <laughs> I, I just I'm not interested in where this story is going. What do you think, yeah, Lane? Yeah,
2: I can, I felt the same way. I I wanted to like this, but. I just, you couldn't get the characters out of most of them. You got some personality from Union Jack and from Britannia, but none of the others, you didn't spend the time to develop those characters because it too quickly had to get into the fights. Mm-hmm. And the Britannia, the one I was actually kind of interested in, they
0: she gets stabbed through by a tail. By a random you know, symbiote dragon. Yeah. And oh, uh, it's
2: like, well, well, that's done So I don't care
0: about that anymore And I like Union Jack, but not enough You know, yeah. <laughs> like Because the rest of the characters I could give a crap about Snakes, Kelby, um, Some other rando uh, The choir Like, I don't care about those characters yeah. no, I care I'm, about Britannia and Union Jack I'm done with the Union Yeah, But
2: uh, Aaron, one of the other things About the all the symbiotes That we didn't mention there's so many symbiotes that they actually cover the entire planet with symbiote. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Like they black out the sun by creating a shell around earth's atmosphere of symbiotes.
0: Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see if DC's event book, you know, um, for the, the next two months or I think it's at least, I think it's two months um justice league endless winter fared any better uh endless winter justice league is written, is co-written by a friend of the podcast ron mars and andy lanning art by howard porter uh issue one came out uh this week kicking off the storyline aaron you picked this up i think we all picked this up
1: yeah uh, yeah I, and you know I, I will say that uh i picked it up thinking it was going to be something along the lines of final night uh, I really love that that yeah. old series from back in the day, um, and it does hold up. I, I have reread it not too long ago, um, so I was I was hoping for something like that. I'm um, also a great big fan of Mister's uh, Andy Lanning and Ron Mars, both friends of the podcast. Um, and boy, I I disliked this book a lot. Really, <laughs> I yeah, I did. I did not. I did not like this book. Um, it just felt Uh, nothing felt I'm sorry Throwaway. away. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, didn't feel meaningful to me. It didn't feel like it felt like this is just one of those stories that happens outside of continuity, uh, and, and doesn't bring a whole lot to the table that, that really engaged me. Um, The only thing that that I really got jazzed about in the book was the very last page where, you know, Black Adam and Hippolyta, uh, Viking Prince all show up. And I'm like, oh, that's that's great. You know, but it was the last page. So long story
2: short, I'm out uh, until this one goes on sale on Comixology. One thing I have to give this one over King and Black, because it's fair to compare it to major crossover starting at the same time. I thought this one did better job of dealing with characters. So King and Black was a big story driven and it felt like some of the characters were out of voice. Versus in here, we did get character moments with Superman, with Flash. And I felt like it was doing a better job of making this a personal story. Mm-hmm. It's a story I don't want to read, but still, I thought it did a better job of making it a personal story than King and Black did yeah you know
1: flash runs around in this book wanting to know how everybody you know manages their schedule you know how do you how do you make time for family and still save the world every day um and that i I was just i I was irritated by this
2: yeah it ties in with some of the Flash's book where he's he wants to get married and he's wanting to know how do you make it work but it's like he keeps asking these characters that actually do a good job of it and they all say they don't and I, it just didn't ring true to me. Right. Their reactions to it. And the real shell shocker was after we had just had that secret uh history of the the other history yeah, of right. the DC universe and seeing how bad Franklin you know, how bad Pierce Jefferson Pierce was as a father and how much he regretted all of his decisions around being a father, that he goes to him for it and he have this happy moment with the kids and he's the one that seems to have gotten it right. When every (laughs) other portrayal of the character anywhere has shown that to not be the case. You just get this overly cheerful version of the character after we just got a completely different version last week.
1: Yeah. It did seem very Hallmark movie moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. You know, in terms of the, uh, the, you know, connectedness between Jefferson Pierce and his daughters, Uh, That we, you know, certainly is in contrast to what we read last week in the other history of of DC Comics.
0: You know, so I'm not saying this just because these guys are friends of the podcast. Uh Uh-huh. I actually enjoyed this book. Um, Now, I share your feelings aaron that in reading it it feels like a throwaway tale not yeah it feels disposable yeah Yeah. not necessarily impactful to the larger dc universe and at first i found that jarring because of the way it was advertised Uh but by the end of the book i'm like hold on i think that's what i like about this book um is, is that it doesn't have to change continuity it doesn't have to you know be this big sweeping thing it's just an eight issue Fun superhero tale, kind of like the Superpowers books or something like that. You know that you know it's it's superheroes acting like superheroes, not fighting each other, not you know not going into the multiverse. It's just here's this new bad guy. He's big. He's bad. He's frosted the world, or you know versus symbioted the world, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, and you know the superheroes are acting like superheroes. And yeah, the Flash thing was like shut the fuck up, Flash. Like Jesus. Like what, what, but other than that, I actually quite enjoyed it. And I enjoyed, you know, the new bat costume, the Arctic Batman costume. It felt like, it felt like an all ages superhero romp. And I think I texted you earlier this week and I'm like, it kind of reminds me of the Robert Venditti um, Justice League arc, you know, that he he took over Mm -hmm. Justice League after Scott Snyder left. And I think that's one of the comments we had on it was like, these feel like just back to basics, superhero Justice League stories. That's what this feels like to me. It was just ad, for me. It feels like it was advertised as something more than what it is, and what it is, it's, it's just a fun little Justice League story. I uh, could see no this one's going to die. A, you know,
2: <laughs> I could definitely see this as a something that's just in a regular Justice League issues, and I would say an eight-issue just fun story would be great if this was
0: a fun story, but it's not. See, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. I, I, I now, I I don't know. You know, I I, I will probably. With no one else picking it up, <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably <laughs> wait till it's on sale, um, because you know I'm not going to pay five dollars an issue for something that no one's going to talk about with me. Um, well, and you're going to have to chase it outside the pages of uh, a, a single book because
1: this is continued in the pages of Flash. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and so I mean, that's of another books, kind yeah. of annoying thing is that you know it's not just a title; it's going to sprawl out into other books. Uh, you know because this this one a- as advertised at the uh, end of the book is endless winter continues in the flash seven sixty seven so you're having to pick up other things. I think it's gonna be an easier read and trade
2: yeah
1: uh, and like I said i I liked the last page um I did enjoy some of the banter in the book but but I, I just felt like I was spending too much time with the flash who is currently living an iteration of the character that I don't care for yeah um. You know, because, you know, and I, I don't mean to be that that old, you know, comic book nerd.
0: Say, it's not my Flash. I just don't enjoy this character. I don't enjoy the current take on the Flash. Well, I feel like we're going to be, I feel, so I'm glad we started this podcast on a very positive note talking about Mandalorian <laughs> and things like that. Because, uh, as spoiler warnings on, we pretty, I, I mean, I enjoyed Endless Winter, but I don't think we have kind words uh, on any book we're talking about uh this week especially batman catwoman number one which i should have known better <laughs> yeah. i should have known better i but you know because i have not enjoyed tom king's run on batman despite but, picking up 70 issues of the goddamn thing not and enjoying maybe 60 strong, of them right huh? he normally starts strong yeah i enjoyed maybe 10 yeah. issues of that 70 issue uh arc no. that i picked up um but you know i started you know tom king Clayman and the art is gorgeous. Clayman is is I mean, just um he he kinda has this art style somewhere between Olivier Copiel and Lanil Yu that just I find gorgeous. Um so this is the twelve issue originally planned conclusion for Tom King's hundred issue Batman arc. Um did all three of us pick this up or just you and me, Aaron? Wayne, did you grab uh yeah, Cat no, Bat? just
2: just you two. I have no interest okay. in this book. Okay. okay, yeah. Go ahead, Aaron.
1: Well, I I'm right there with you. I I I feel like Tom King has one tool in his toolkit, mm-hmm. and it has worked for him really well in a couple of books. Uh, but wow, it has not it has not worked well for Batman. And I got to tell you, I I was very frustrated reading this book you know it's telling the story of batman Catwoman, uh and their romance and their history together across three different timelines as he did in the uh off and on in the main batman series mm-hmm. when he was writing that book and you know clay Mann is drawn his guts out here his Pages are gorgeous. That that uh, page with uh Joker and his white pants and suspenders. Oh yeah, uh, with the fedora. That is a fucking gorgeous page, and I, 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 the art can't save this book.
0: No. Um. And I, despite maybe, it being, you know, so, and I, I, I the, I want to say just one more thing about the art. It takes place in winter. You know, it's got this Christmas feel to it Mm -hmm. um you know timely appropriate you know to to the release it works on a visual it it is a visual treat you know the pages with the snow and you know it 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 works so well visually well and it
1: is i found it i don't know about you paul but i found it very evocative of tim burton's batman
0: Uh right particularly tim burton's batman and batman mask of the phantasm You've you've got the visual of this book. Yeah. I mean, I found it very evocative,
1: uh, particularly the second Batman film. Uh, But shit. (laughs) I'm out. I am hard out. I will buy this when it's collected and read it. then, Because I do think it will read better collected. Mm -hmm. Um, I think think this is in particular. I know we say this about a lot of books. But in particular, I don't think that this is a format in the way Tom King is telling the story that... Is going to be effective on a month-to-month basis. Uh, I, so I, I'm I'm out until it's collected. Because wow, uh, as much as I love the art, and I mean, Clay Man, the way he draws Catwoman is—I mean, he's just amazing. He is able to, he is able to draw how uh, sexy she is. Mm-hmm. And he can make her sexy without uh, uh, making her w- without making her a sex object, right? Yeah. You know, there is power in the way she's sexy, um, and that is—I mean—that's a real trick. You know, you look at the way uh, artists have drawn Catwoman over the years, and it's just tits and ass, right? Yeah. Uh, that is not what he's doing here, and I am—I I, am—I was wildly impressed by. The manner in which he captures her character and the empowerment of that character uh, and the many ways that he drew the Joker um, and how he told that story. Visually, it doesn't get much better than this, but the the story as written is a little painful to read in a one off. Um, So, yeah,
0: I'll, I'll wait for the trade. Yeah, same here. Because I, I do want to find out what happens, but I'll wait for the trade. I'll wait. I'll wait till I can read this entire story for twelve dollars versus uh-huh. sixty, right? Yeah. Uh, because yeah, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that Tom King has one tool in his toolbook, and he does. It's the twelve issue mystery series. Yeah. Um The problem with any book other than Mister Miracle is that what worked about Mister Miracle was that in addition to the mystery of is this real, what's going on, blah blah blah. You know it wasn't a murder mystery like his other stuff has been but um it it had a sense of humor of dark humor yeah. and quirkiness to it that that you know lent it that was worked for it that's absent in everything since agreed um and, and it, you know there's no humor in this batman catwoman book there's no humor in strange adventures or heroes in crisis and i think that's what's missing is um is that that touch of of humanity that made those books work that doesn't make yep. these work. Agreed. Well, and our final negative review of the week <laughs> um, is a big disappointment. Probably the most
1: disappointing for me this week. Agreed. Um, I, I got to tell you because you know uh, Chris Condon and and Jacob Phillips that Texas Blood started off huge mm-hmm. with that first issue, and that that and then Paul and I were. Dumbfounded that we weren't going to, you know, finish off the story painted in that first issue until the end of this series, whenever that is. So, you know, we then got five issues of another story, which I was very interested in. Yeah. I thought that, uh, you know, over these five issues, uh, they told a really interesting story about a guy who thought he had turned the page on his life and that he had put his darkness behind him and then he gets kind of called back uh into his darkness. And it ends up being just the the juice was not worth the squeeze. Yeah. There was you know,
0: no uh, uh you know, there was no cathartic ending to this book. It just kinda of, and don't get me wrong, things happened. People got shot, yeah. people died, but I think the way in which the story I don't think the problem is how this is I think the way, I think it was the delivery of what happened more so yeah. than it was what actually happened. Yeah. Um, you well, know, it, Because it, shit it, happens, it, it just feels so lackluster in the way it's told. It was very independent film Yeah. in the
1: way that it, it built up and it, it felt like it was building to something big. And then it was like, oh, I, I misunderstood that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, and that was the ending. I misunderstood that. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: I didn't have to do all these horrible things I've done oh <laughs> I'm going to compare it to an intro uh, and you got, you'll got you probably disagree with me um, because I know people love 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 this movie but I'm going to compare it to No Country for Old Men yeah. um, in that No Country for Old Men builds up to a confrontation that is shown that is off screen uh, and intentionally shown off screen um, to I guess reduce the impact of it or just to do something independent and different and that's how this felt to me like this builds up to a confrontation that largely happens off screen without an emotional resonance that i wanted to it based on the previous four issues Uh and so i was disappointed in the ending i I genuinely was Um, yeah i i I very much was and
1: you know I, i felt like the creators of that texas blood uh made a mistake when they didn't close out the story, they started in issue one yeah, and then moved on. And, you know, Paul and I, if you go back to, to the episode, where we talked about issue two, we're like, wow, I was really surprised. It's an, it's a, it's a good story. You know, I'm compelled. Uh, there are a lot of head faints in this story. Like, is it going to be a ghost story? Is there something, you know, deep demonic happening in the basement? You know, I mean, you know, what's, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, it winds up being a, 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 you know, yeah, there's a little tinge of supernatural, but we don't spend much time there uh, because it's just horrible people doing horrible things.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and while it, I thought it, he, they did a really nice job of setting the table, there's just the payoff was not worth it at the end. And here we go. They're taking a break on the series. Yeah. And I think that's a huge mistake for them. Yeah, you gotta keep the I, momentum
0: on this stuff. If you're gonna take a break, maybe you know, do the Kieran Gillen thing. Skip one month. Uh huh. But if you take anything longer than that, like I really hope Image is gonna push your book when it comes back because I probably won't record. I probably won't know because I won't. Look I'll, for I'll it. forget to look. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think it's a mistake.
1: I, yeah. I really do. I think I think it's a mistake to take the break. I think it was a mistake to, to do what they did in issue two. But you know they were they were able to uh, to keep me in for the remaining five issues. I'm um, I'm not sure that I, I'm gonna know to look for it
0: uh, yeah. when they come back. Okay, so hopefully it's just a month break or whatever. Um, now one of the things that I've enjoyed most about this book is the essays at the back. I haven't yep. been reading the short story, um, but I have you know I have really enjoyed the essays, and I love when writers tell you here's other stuff that's inspiring me as I write this. Yeah. Um, well, and his uh, his playlist at the and end his is, playlist. is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying that as well. Um, but the, he recommends a book called uh, Bog Bodies, which mm-hmm. is uh, an Irish gangster book. He said he quote he does. calls it, quote unquote, creepy noir um, written by Declan Shalvey, who I'm a huge fan of uh, his art. I've, I don't know that I've ever written any seen anything written by him um and i'm i'm curious about it it's 10.99 it's a graphic novel from image comics normally 12.99 um i may check that out and i i i have since we picked up pulp by sean phillips and um yeah it's a good book and i don't remember the writer on that book um is it rucka no uh wasn't it brubaker Baker and yeah. Phillips, yeah um, I've been in this, you know, I've, I've really Enjoyed these pulp crime Comics that I just, you know, it's a It's a genre that Image seems to have embraced And no one else does, so I might take that story out Well, and they've certainly done it better than most Yeah, I okay. mean, I think I think the last successful one That like DC did was 100 Bullets Right? Yeah, Azarella mm, Yeah, he does it good too yeah. yeah. So, I mean, disappointing ending To that Texas blood, I'm, I'll check out Bog Bodies And you know, I'll keep you updated <laughs> but So Paul Yes We were disappointed in this week's books Tell me what books we'll be disappointed in next week <laughs> Well if you were disappointed with this week's books You will probably not be picking up Venom issue 31 next week <laughs> You will probably not be picking up The Flash 700 Issue 767 or Superman Endless Winter specials next week um, However Some books that you may pick up are Strange Academy issue 6 uh, continuing yeah. the story of the, the Strange Academy Tenets versus the Hollow. Um, you may be picking up Secret Seven Secrets, Issue 5, from Boom Fuck Studios. Yes. Yes. Rise of Ultraman, Issue 4, from Marvel Comics.
1: And now, wait a minute. who Who's in with me for Ultraman? Cause I, 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 I think it's you recall. and Wayne.
2: Yeah, I'm still in. Okay, all right. Yeah. want to um, make sure
0: I'm not the Lone Ranger. So a couple of interesting uh, books that we uh next week batman black and white issue one uh you know batman back and black and white is back continuing that anthology format uh all-star creative team so we've got uh next week's issue one features a, co- a black and white cover by Greg capullo but the interior work uh has stories by james Tenyon the with trad moore jh williams iii emma rios paul dini with andy kubert and G. Willow Wilson with Greg Smallwood. Um, Greg wow. Smallwood, fr- the artist on Moon Knight you know, from uh, the Warren Ellis days. That is a murderer's row of talent. Yeah, I will very yeah. likely pick up that first issue. Yeah, I think maybe I'll have to. I wasn't going to, but now that you mention who all's in it, damn. Yeah, well, and the, the other book that comes out next week um, that is... <sighs> I don't know. Oh dear. Oh dear. Well, we it talked called? about it a little while back. Yeah. It's Dark Knight's Death Metal: The Last Stories Ugh. of the DC Universe. But this is the one that has the Mark Wade Superman mm. story in it. Um, yeah. You know, and here's one thing. Here's a, here's one thing that frustrates me. You know, because I was hard out, hard out, Aaron, <laughs> on on these on these damn Death Metal books. They disappointed me so much. But in you know, over the next few weeks, you've got the Last Stories of the DC Universe. Uh, which is an eighty-page one-shot, you know, has stories by Gail Simone, Jeff Lemire, so- Scott Snyder, James the IV, Mark Wade, Josh Williamson, uh, you know, and a, a slew of artists. You also have Dark Knight's Death Metal: The Secret Origin. Um, I, now, I don't, I know you, we, we've been out on it, but Superboy Prime has become one of the primary characters of this book, and you know, Superboy Prime has waged war with the Darkest Knight, and so co-writers Scott Snyder and Jeff Johns. Team up to write the uh, the secret origin book. I'm hoping these are standalone <laughs> that I can enjoy <laughs> the content without having to pick up the, the main death metal title. Because um, right. these are two books that I'm very interested in. It's you know Jeff you Johns sh- for sure
1: usually secret origins books are standalone so hope so fingers yeah. crossed there for yeah. you paul and you know i'm gonna let you be the canary in the coal mine if you'll read those on tuesday and let us
2: know, I will let you uh, know. <laughs> that was like- exactly what i was gonna say Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> you read them quickly and let us know that, 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 that
0: tuesday week. release date definitely helps <laughs> that's
2: right that's right
0: anything else paul or is that it Whew, That is, that is enough
1: Well, hey, we want to know what you're disappointed in. I'm going to say Wayne. Uh, Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail about your disappointment in Wayne on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise.
2: Please, Aaron. I only disappoint women, and we don't have any female listeners. (laughs)
0: You can also check us out on social media, IOMGeek, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Excellent.
1: Well, we will do this all over again next week, and hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, maybe the glass will be half full. Maybe we'll enjoy most of our books next week. I would like that. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah, okay. If you listened to last week's episode, we really enjoyed the books we read last week. Yeah. And then we had to pay for it, you know. We had to pay for our joy. bastards (laughs) all right guys we'll do it next week we'll see you later bye podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com. funny books with aaron and polly is a production of ideology of madness.com no spider-man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast